0: but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to BFTExpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com.
1: Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. I have a pretty cool guest today, Nathan Schulhoff. Uh, he's credited with uh, helping to invent, a uh, Audio compression and uh stuff in regards to the MP three player format. Nathan, how you doing?
2: Uh could we stop for a minute? Stop. Uh sure. Could you could we shut over? Okay, I that's not, I didn't invent the format. The format was invented by uh the fuhawk Institute several years before. Uh oh, what I invented okay. was you know, I had the idea of uh in nineteen ninety four I this gets confused a lot, so I just like to put it out there. So I People don't think I'm claiming okay. something that I do. Uh, in 1994, I had the vision of... Uh, I had just sold a company prior to our Donnelly and South Chicago that allowed you to distribute software through encryption on a CD. And I sold the company. I thought, what next? And I, I saw this vision of the future of the computer and downloading content. Uh, you know, I thought... First, I did the first commercial music download and the first cybercast. But then I thought of this vision of really cutting the wires from the computer to portable devices. I fi- filed six patents over a couple of years and formed a company and brought out the first MP3 player, which was called the Lesson so Up player. And in my patents, you know, I said, well, I looked at all kinds of compressions and I filed it so you could use any kind. And although we, sh- we chose MP3, you know, as compressions get better, things could change or uh, it will always probably be called an MP3 player. You know, and I also had the vision that eventually it would end up in phones and other devices. But I just wanted to clear that up so I didn't mislead anybody.
1: Yeah, no, no problem. I understand. So, what um, what has been your involvement with with uh, this area, you know, over the years? Oh, and,
2: and I didn't I didn't I didn't help invent it. I invented it. Uh, it wasn't done okay. before I did it. Uh,
1: uh, well, tell me how this came to you. How did you get the idea, and and what was it like going through the process? And you know, what was the, the invention process like?
2: Well, I ha- I had a company in 1992 called Test Drive, and Test Drive distributed CDs with almost every manufacturer of software that you can imagine, Microsoft. Moreland, uh back then a company called Lotus it allowed you to try it five or six times each program it had like fifty thousand dollars worth of software then if you wanted to buy it after five or six times it would eventually lock up you could our number and we could give you a random code and it would unlock that one program and you could do a purchase over the phone now realize This is 1994, 1992. E-commerce did not exist. So this was pretty amazing. Uh, I sold the company to R. R. Donnelly & Sons in 1994. And I said, well, what do I want to do next? Because I was never the type to really have a real job. Uh, So I thought, well, if you did this with software, we should be able to do it with music. That thing, you would buy an album. and You'd buy a whole which later would be called a CD just to get one song. And I thought, you should be able to buy it in any order. And I also saw the vision of a personal computer as a distribution center. Uh, And I put all this together, and one day in a dream, I woke up and started writing this stuff down and uh, shortly formed a company called Information Highway Media Corporation, which eventually became AudioHighway.com and went public. Okay.
1: So, yeah, tell me, again, what what were some of the attempts you made, what worked, what didn't, and, you know, have you thought over the past number of years uh, further compression methods or, you know, where is this part of the industry going?
2: Yeah, there's many. Also, you know, let me say, I I describe a lot of these stories and how to in my book, Father of the MP3 Player, which is available on Amazon. Uh, and, you know, I, I find it interesting because I – I really opened up personally of how you you go from someone who doesn't have any money, take your idea and turn it into a a real company. But some advice I can give young entrepreneurs is, one, raise as much money as you can. Things take longer than you think. We're all excited when we do things and it's going to be done by a date, but the future is an uncertain place. Uh, That's one piece. And through my years, I have seen... Young entrepreneurs who get offers for their companies that could change their life, but they're stuck on the evaluation or how much the company's worth. And I've seen companies worth a lot of money one year and worth very little very shortly a few years later. Okay,
1: when well, see so, all right, so you say raise enough money. I mean, what? Why do people need to raise more money than they think they do? What happens that that causes them to well, run out?
2: There are several ways to raise money. One is venture capitalists, which is the most common, or funds, or institutional money. The other is from angels, which I initially did before my public eye. But let's start with venture capitalists, or pretty much anybody. When you raise money, you give over, you give projections, which is a vision of what you're going to accomplish in the time frame you are. And we all give, we have a tendency to give early projections. And I find that if you don't meet those projections, you're held to those projections. It's very difficult to get more money out of your investor if you haven't done what you said you're going to. And this is a very common thing, young entrepreneurs. There's a expression around uh, the industry is uh, under-project and over-deliver. And if you can accomplish that, uh, you can raise all the money you
1: you see recently? What what kind of projects are you working on now? You know, any new inventions coming or what You know, what do you see is happening now? What's needed that you're working on?
2: These days, besides finishing my book, Father of the mp P3 Player, I, I, I've been sitting on boards and been an advisor to upcoming tech, technical companies. Uh, I've been an advisor to a very interesting stem cell company that's been around for 12 years, actually. That was uh, started by a friend of mine, uh, Skip, who uh, was one l- the inventor of the MRI machine. Uh, I also focus a lot on energy. A few years back, I started a company. I co-founded a company called Solar Components. And we put out a yeah. product that won uh, an innovation award at the CES show called Solar Juice. But I find energy is something that's interesting. I like to stay with things that make a difference people's lives more than how much money I make these days. Uh, I have been focusing a lot on. Upcoming nations such as Africa and India, and delivering energy to empower to people that don't have lights, that don't have electricity.
1: Well, what are some basic things that people in developing countries need? You know, because I would guess like people would think, oh, they need this, that, and the other, but maybe they need something different. I mean, have you spent time in various countries, or do you have a different perspective on what they actually need?
2: Yes, I've spent a lot of time in Africa and India, and. 50% of the world there has no electricity, uh, and these are people that go to sleep by candlelight. So LED lighting in a house, and when we say a house, in America, we think of of a home. Here, in the areas that I'm referring to, you're talking about a one-room cement room. Uh, So LED lighting can make a difference in someone's life. It can give them a quality of life in the evening. Other countries... 50% 50% or more, and sometimes as much as 80% of their power is stolen. So uh, if you can deliver... What do you, mean, st- what do you mean stolen?
1: Stolen by the... Oh, solar or stolen? I, I didn't hear you right. I'm sorry. So, no, stole, stolen by consumers. Which presents oh, you mean in order to get it, they have to steal company. it from the local city or, or the country?
2: Yes, yes. And it's a very common problem for the power company. Now, you know, the major problem, you know, one might think in the U.S., well, this can be easily solved with solar or this, but you're talking about a country that doesn't have any money. If, uh, they can't really afford expensive products. They can't afford $100 on uh, to buy a solar device. These people make $200 a year. And to give you an example of how much energy can change their life, in these countries where these people make $200 a year if they can have a cell phone which is very common in these countries even among poor people uh if they can have a cell phone their income can double and you know we said they have no power so the way they charge the cell phones because the poorest people have cheap cell phones you can buy cell phones there for 10 bucks uh they go to the to their town and there's a man there with a truck with a honda generator and for a couple ruples or a small amount of money you'll leave your phone you'll take a ticket and your cell phone will be charged.
1: Huh? So that's what they do. So charge it's a their phones. World. With that. Why, why? Why does it help double their income? What could they do with a, a cell phone that they otherwise couldn't?
2: Well, there's a lot of jobs they can do with a cell phone there, just amongst each other, better paid. You, again, you're talking someone that their income may be 200 U.S. dollars per year. So the jobs are very different than you may think.
1: Okay. All right. So what, what, in your opinion, do people in developing countries need most of all in terms of energy or in terms of, you know, the types of inventions you're working on?
2: Well, they need, a, uh, they need medical. Uh, they need, If you remember several years ago, there was the, the computer initiative to build computers for under $100 uh, to connect the world. Uh, I believe Larry Page was involved with that and uh, the
1: MIT professor,
2: uh, his name just doesn't come to me.
1: Okay, so it, right okay w- yeah what about what about you personally what uh, are you working on in particular right now, maybe that you're most excited about uh, these days, I'm excited
2: about my book, so I'm doing book signs uh around the country and around Mexico for my book and i'm I enjoy sitting on boards and I enjoy guiding young entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs that have an idea or concept. Uh, they can get in touch with me. My email address is nathan.showhoff at gmail.com or easily to find. Mm. Uh, but I like working with young entrepreneurs. And if I see someone with a good idea and the commitment and passion, you know, I, I look for passion in people. And these days I like to help others rather than uh, do myself. Right. I
1: got you. Well, I'm sure you can help people through, uh, your, you know, your own inventions, but you're in a more advisory role. What's, um... I, Tell me about your book. What what's the premise of the book, you know, for people that haven't read it, what's it about?
2: Well, my book's called A Father of the MP3 Player: Lessons in Business and Life. And that's what it is. You know, I've been a serial entrepreneur uh, all my life. I'm known for inventing the MP3 player, but, but since 1980, uh I've been associated in some form or another with Apple Computer. I was involved with them on the uh, Samsung case for a few years as an expert witness. Uh, I was uh, I built an early best-selling word processor that sold on the Apple II in 1980. That company was very successful. Uh, So through my book, I I tell these stories of some amazing events of how someone came just with an idea who really didn't have any money, uh, raised the first dollar and Turned a, a product into a company that I think made a difference. The number one thing okay. I commit to is passion and focus.
1: All right. Okay. Um, any particular lessons in your book that you want to highlight? You know, I don't want to give away the whole thing, but just, you know, one or two things that you want to highlight in there?
2: Well, you know, one thing people look at somebody who's a maybe a famous musician or somebody who invented something and think that something about them is special. And again, the only thing I really think about. Special is the commitment and passion. Because there's a lot of people tell me it's not going to work, and you have to stay in there. But I'm really no different than anybody else who has that idea. But I stayed with it. Uh, it's it's a good life. I'd say the number one. Thing is this I opened I'm, up in yeah. I opened up in my book and told some very personal stories. One uh, on a massive. I used to work seventy, eighty hours a week. I didn't take care hmm. of a toothache. Uh, I let the toothache go for a whole year. I kept popping Tylenol. And then I, I ended up with the same virus that Jim Henson had, the Muppets man who died. Well, I didn't die, but I went into a coma and it changed my life. When I came to, I had to learn how to walk and talk and do things. And I did that. And uh, that's what really made me say, well, from now on, I want to make a difference. And that's when I built the solar company. And I thought I want to do things that make a quality in people's lives with energy or medicine.
1: Okay. Right. Um, any advice for people that, you know, again, they have the passion, they have the wants, maybe a good idea, but where do they make missteps? You know, for young entrepreneurs, what are some things they need to learn? One, don't sell out. Uh, don't listen to other people. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Uh,
2: stay your course, stay your focus. And I said, raise enough money. And don't be afraid to go to your friends and family. If you really believe in your vision and what you're going to do, they're going to do well also. When I did the MP3 player, if you knew me, if you owned a general store, if I ever bought insurance from you, you invested in my company. The waiters at restaurants I went to invested in my company. And you know, at the end of the day, some of them bought houses. It changed many people's lives. It doesn't always work out that way, unfortunately, but many times it does. And if you believe, it also strengthens your commitment when you have other people involved. So don't be afraid to go out and ask everybody you know to, to support you in your adventure.
1: Mm, gotcha. All right. Um, is your book available now, or where can people find it if they're it, it, in getting it?
2: It's available now uh, at Amazon or Barnes & Noble and some selected uh, bookstores around the world.
1: Okay. But and the name of the Amazon. book again?
2: Amazon.com. It's Father of the MP3 Player. Uh, and I think there's a chapter you can read on it. Uh, it. It's it's not all technical. Some good business stories, and I ended up why I moved to Mexico and live on the ocean. Uh uh, some interesting stories. Also how to. You know, people always wonder, well, I don't have any money. How do I do this? Uh well a lot of a lot of us start that way. And I uh, I do lessons and I I try to teach stories through quotes and my own personal stories in
1: this book. Okay? Well, very good. Well, Nathan, I appreciate you coming on the podcast and uh you know, it sounds like your book's got a lot of wisdom, so I want to check it out and I encourage listeners to do the same.
2: Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on.
0: Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th and 16th, 2018. The Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence,